And this reading this morning comes from Steve Garnis Holmes. Tourists come to admire the temple, to take pictures and buy mementos, but it's not on their maps. Pilgrims come seeking their separate peace in it, but they can't find it. Eventually, the army arrives, ordered to destroy the temple, but it has vanished. It isn't here or there. It isn't a thing. It isn't a place. It's an empty space. It is the love between us. It is not something that is, but something that happens. Like gravity that exists only between objects and space, the dwelling place of God exists only in the love we hold between us. It is eternal. When we enter that holy space amongst us, which God creates, we enter God, and nothing can remove us. In the cool of the sanctuary, we listen to the music, and we breathe. So three years ago, when I was in search for a new congregation, and you all were looking for a new settled minister, I read quite a bit about the search process for Unitarian Universalists and, and other churches whose congregations choose their minister. Doesn't that seem like a lot longer than three years ago? <laughs> but in the course of my reading, I stumbled upon a uh, particularly apt cartoon by an artist named Dennis Fletcher. And it's a single panel showing a group of uh, disheveled-looking white people huddled around a table looking at a, a stack of papers in front of them and the sign on the door says, Pastoral Search Committee. And a man, presumably the committee chair, is speaking. And the caption reads, Basically, we're looking for an innovative pastor with a fresh vision who will inspire our church to remain exactly the same. <laughs> so in 1960, on an episode of NBC's Meet the Press, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said that it was a sad reality that 11 a.m. on Sunday was the most segregated hour of the week in America. Now, nearly 60 years later, this unfortunate truth still holds. According to a 2015 study published by Lifeway Research, a full 80% of American houses of worship are made up of one predominant racial group. Now this is down from nearly 100% in King's Day, but religious institutions have lagged far behind others, both private and public institutions, in integrating different cultural and ethnic groups within their memberships. This same study found that over two-thirds of American churchgoers felt that their church had done enough 
to increase racial diversity. And nearly three out of four white congregants said there was no need to further integrate. Now this is even sadder for Unitarian Universalists because we fall behind even some other churches when it comes to, to diversity within our membership. This is due in part to, in small part, I guess, to our own up and down history with race relations in our congregations. And though we like to lift up that we were consistently on the right side of history when it came to the abolition of slavery in the 19th century and civil rights in the middle of the 20th, our congregations and institutions failed to respond to the needs of our members of color in a late 1960s, early 1970s episode now known as the empowerment controversy, which set us back decades, literally decades, in the active welcome of Unitarian Universalists of color. I'm gonna talk a whole lot about the empowerment controversy this morning, but if you're interested, there is an article about it in our current, the October quilt newsletter. I think there are some copies in the back and it's always available on our, on our website if you're interested in learning more about this kind of painful period of our history. But what I want to lift up this morning is that more than specific events in our past, the problem involves a fundamental question about what church itself is supposed to be. What sort of space are we invited into and what do we hope to gain from being here? Just as we describe our faith as struggling ever with the question of how to consistently choose, consistently choose love over fear, our congregations, our membership, our very worship services like this one confront another conflict, that of growth versus comfort. Now many folks say that they come to church to find comfort in life, or comfort and peace around death, a sense of sanctuary, if you will. Others say they come to religion because they want to grow in their faith, in their relationships, in their happiness. Many churches themselves say they want to grow their membership and influence. Others say they want to offer comfort and care to the world, and some, like this one, say both of these things. We want to foster growth and comfort, learning and sanctuary. But individually, it is nearly impossible to find comfort to find peace or solace of any kind during this glorious yet arduous journey of life without first learning something, entering into some new understanding or building a new relationship with other people or with the divine. And growth inherently connotes change. And that's what's so funny about the search committee cartoon that all churches say they want to grow, but few churches want to admit that in order to do so, they will need to change. 
The same is true for us as individuals. Very few of us would say we don't want to grow in something. But we often not only fear change, we actively resist it. And what is the best way to be inspired to remain exactly the same? To only include those people who look and think and act like the folks who are already here. Institutional growth is only possible if those who have influence are constantly shifting their and expanding their own perspectives and including new and different perspectives along the way. Or as we uh, discussed a couple of weeks ago in our vision service, the more different angles from which we have to view something, the more different perspectives we incorporate into our understanding, the better we know the truth and the more effective we can be while working within it. So I guess the first thing we must do if we truly want to live our mission to celebrate diversity is admit to ourselves that if we are to learn and grow, we need to be open to change. Change of our ideas and opinions, but also change in our relationships and even the expression of our values. And the second thing is that we need to recognize the importance of not only entertaining different people with different backgrounds and viewpoints, but actively embracing them. We cannot simply be passive observers to those different from us who might come visit on a Sunday. We must be truly and genuinely joyful at their presence. Which brings us really to the practice of sanctuary, the practice of welcoming, the practice of hospitality. Now the term hospitality comes from a Latin word, hospis, which means host, and developed around the original monastic practice of caring for travelers and the poor within the boundaries of monasteries. And this is the same root word as the words hospital and hospice, as these monasteries were also the first iteration of consolidated medical care in the Western world. Saint Benedict, founder of the Benedictine Order of Monks, would be famous for promoting this embracing hospitality and welcome of the stranger, declaring, quote, all guests who present themselves are to be welcomed as Christ. All guests who present themselves are to be welcomed as Christ. Now this parallels an even earlier Norse teaching about welcoming poor travelers as this was the favorite disguise of the father god Odin when he visited mortals to test their hearts. You better be nice to that beggar at the door. It might be the one-eyed father god. But universalism has even taken this metaphor a little further. It's not just that weary travelers at our door might be divine. Universalism tells us they most certainly are. 
all of them children of the divine universe, all of them deserving our respect, our welcome, our care. And if, as universalism claims, everyone is loved and everyone is worthy of respect, then we have an obligation to love and respect everyone. And not just those in our immediate vicinity or those who look like us or think like we do or even, even those who only have our best interests in their hearts. All are indeed welcome here, though we freely admit that all will not be comfortable at all times. If you arrive at church unwilling to learn or convinced you know the only truth that matters, you may be uncomfortable every once in a while. If you come to worship with fear in your heart and an unwillingness to open it to the possibility of love, you make no guarantee that you will enjoy yourself on Sunday mornings. If you come more concerned with what you can get from this service and this community than what you might give back and contribute, you might at times feel out of place. Now, we don't ask that anyone here adheres to the same political opinions of the ministers or anyone else. But if you only watch one type of news, only vote for one party, only worry about the way politics affects your own personal interests and discount the needs of the rest of society, your opinions will not always be affirmed here. However, if you come to us in need, we will try to provide for you in the hope that when others find themselves needing help, you will repay kindness with kindness. If you come to us with a heart broken, we will try to support your healing. If you come with uncertainty and anxiety, we will share with you our legacy of love and commitment. If you come with fear of death, we will help ground you in our understanding of a universe governed by love from which we all come, for which we are all responsible, and to which we will all ultimately return. And if you come with the conviction of conscience and a vision for helping the world become a better place, we will walk with you and add numbers to your ranks. All are welcome here, but it takes all of us to be welcoming. As former UUA President Reverend Bill Sinkford once said, we pitch a large theological tent, meaning that we do try to welcome all different types of religious folks in one congregation. A daunting yet noble task. Here today we have pagans and atheists, Christians and Buddhists, humanists and deists, and just about everything in between. But of course there are things that we do agree on. There are truths which our faith has communicated for centuries. And though the form and the communication of these truths may have changed over time, the overall message of our faith has remained constant and simple. 
We combine the original understanding of the one God of Unitarianism with the loving, forgiving God of Universalism to claim today that the universe is one, interconnected and interdependent, and that we all come from and return to this love. We are, as the Buddhists might say, as eddies in the stream of reality, distinct yet temporary illusions of separateness, a wash in the river of substance, flowing ever towards that open sea of love, mingling and mixing with other souls along the way, welcoming the change and growth that happens on the winding journey and trusting that the currents continue to flow long after our own swirling existence dissipates. If we can remain committed to love, open to change, and excited, truly excited about the folks who would enter our lives, we will have built more than a church. We will have created sanctuary. May we so. Blessed be and amen.